You ever notice that a lot of times people do something without a real plan of where it is that they're going? That there's like no vision of what it is that they're actually trying to accomplish and do? I'll never forget when I was a senior in high school, I went to senior week down in Ocean City, Maryland. Now parents, let me say this, if you still have kids in school, don't ever allow your kids to go to senior week. All right, That's, That didn't cost you any extra throwing that in for free. Not a good thing. However, here's what happened. It was like towards the end of the week, and I was really tired, and of course, partied way too much uh, all week long. And it's about three o'clock in the morning. Friends of mine, well, my friends, they they did. Some, I don't even remember what it was now anymore, but they did something that like really, really upset me. And so I just bolted out of our hotel room and I ran down to the beach. And I decided I'm so angry. I'm just going to walk the beach. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm just going to walk the beach. And so I keep walking and walking and walking. I must have walked for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. Just kept walking. Finally, it's like, man, I'm tired. (laughs) So I decide I'm going to head back. I go up to the boardwalk because, you know, walking in the sand, that was was pretty exhausting. I, I go up to the boardwalk. I start heading back. Now, keep in mind, I'm a pretty small guy. I'm all alone. It's about this time, you know. 3.30, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, walking along, and all of a sudden, there's like eight guys that they said, yo, you, come over here. Now, all week long, I had seen just random fights, random people getting beaten up and just pummeled for no reason other than that high testosterone of guys and, you know, just a lot of drunken people just doing all kinds of things. And so they're like, hey, come over here, you. I've got a couple choices now. I can run for it. I'm pretty fast. But it is 3.30 in the morning. And I'm tired. And it only takes me not outrunning one of them. And I'm toast. Or I can try to take a chance. Play it cool. So I go over, hey guys, what's going on, you know, and stuff. And so I'm standing there and I'm, I'm talking to them. And this one guy, there's a, a bench. Two of them are sitting on the bench and the other guys are sort of surrounding me. It's like a semicircle. They're sort of surrounding me there. And of course, my heart is beating like, my palms are sweaty and stuff. I'm just like, what's going to happen to me here? And this, the, the one guy sitting on the bench, he just starts grilling me, just asking all kinds of questions. And you could tell these guys, they were wasted. And I'm, again, I'm literally afraid for my life because I had seen just so many people just get pummeled all week long for no reason. And so they, he just keeps grilling me, asking me questions, asking me questions. All of a sudden, he lurches over at me. He pulls my pants down. <laughs> now, keep in mind, this is the summertime. We're at the beach. So I didn't have a shirt on, and I had swimsuit on. <laughs> So there I stand. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Pull my trunks back up, right? I'm like, well, guys, you know, I really got to get going. Uh, see you later. <laughs> and they let me go. My point in telling you that story is this. I put it there on your outline. It's, it's the first point I want to make to you today. Everybody ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. I ended up somewhere, just there wasn't really a purpose of being there. And and the reason I told you the story as well is 
I think a lot of people, their life is a lot like my story. There's people that have let you down. They've hurt you in some way. So oftentimes we end up running. We have no idea where we're going. We just, we just going through life. We have a an, an potential enemy that could harm us and destroy us at any moment. And oftentimes we end up in life with our pants down around our ankles. And we're embarrassed. We're not sure what's going on. We eventually ask this question of ourselves. How in the world did I end up here? How did I get to this place in life where I'm at right now? Again, everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so what I want to talk to you about today is how do you get some purpose in your life? How do you end up somewhere intentionally instead of just sort of accidentally wandering through life, sort of meandering around? And so we're going to finish up our series today called The Power of One. And what we've been learning over the past couple weeks is that there's power in one. We've looked at various areas that there's power of one. If you remember back in week one, I said that there's power in just one person that you can make a difference. That God wants to use you to be a world changer. And so I want to bring the the series sort of full circle and come back to that again today. Because really what this series has been all about is not only do you have power, but then I gave you the, the, the tools to do it, that there's power in just one prayer that you can pray. That there's power in the story that you can tell others, that you can lead other people in a relationship with Jesus. And we did a myriad of other things throughout the series, that there is power in you. And I want to talk to you today that there's power in just one vision. That if you have a, a vision for your life, there's power in that. Don't just wander around. Get to the end of life and go, how did I end up here? Actually have a vision, have a a purpose for your life. Know exactly where it is that you want to go, where you want to end up at. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. Now, you may have heard this verse before in another translation that says that without a vision, the people perish. And oftentimes you hear this when a pastor gets up and he wants to talk about the the vision of the church. That without a vision for the people, the the people are going to to perish. And that is one way to, to talk about this particular verse. But let me remind you of this. The church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It's made up of people. You are the church. And so what I want to make sure that we do is is collectively, each and every one of us, have a unique vision for our lives because I think that that's going to make exponential better than if I just try to fit you into some sort of cookie-cutter approach and say, well, here's my vision for your life. Here's my vision for the church. And now you guys get on board. See, I think if each and every one of us are individually living out, why has God placed me here on the earth? What is my purpose? What is the the vision for me being here? If we're all living that out, it'll make for a great church. It'll make for a 
a church that has an impact in this city, in this nation, and in the world. But here's my fear. My fear is this. I think oftentimes I believe more in you and your potential to be a world changer than you believe it yourself. Every single person that I'm locking eyes with here this morning, you can change this world. You can do it. But again, I think I believe that more for you than you do for yourselves. And the reason I say that is because I was on the flip side of it. You know, when I used to work for Rick Warren and Purpose Driven Ministries, I had the, the honor, the privilege to, to train over 10,000 churches, over 30,000 church leaders. Traveled all over the United States and Canada doing that. And I got to see that what I was doing was making a difference. It was changing the, the world. I was literally getting emails from people all around the world based on things that I was teaching. And I kept thinking, this is me. <laughs> I'm nobody special. But yet God is using me to do something that's impacting this world. And you need to start to see that it's the same for you. Just because I have the title of pastor doesn't make me any more special than you. It doesn't make me more spiritual than you. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I get to make a difference and you don't get to make a difference. Look, all of us draw a paycheck from somewhere. I just happen to draw mine from a church. But we're all called to the same thing, to, to make a difference for the kingdom. To make sure as many people as possible know that Jesus died on the cross for them so that their sins may be forgiven. To make sure that people grow in their relationship with Jesus. And then to serve the poor, the hurting, anybody that's out there that needs to know what Jesus came to do and what his kingdom is all about. That's all of our responsibility. That's not my job. It's all of our jobs. You can make a difference. You can be a world changer, but you've got to have a vision for that. You can't just walk around randomly. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Are you going to have a purpose for your life? Or are you just going to sort of randomly walk around? Now, here's my other fear that I have. If right now you're great, I don't know, somebody you don't know, your, your great cousin, or your, your fifth cousin, second removed, you know, whatever. So you don't even know. But they were like multi-billionaire, right? And they die, and they left you like literally $100 million. You now have $100 million. What would you do with the rest of your life? My fear is that for many people it would be like, I get a bigger house. I get a nicer car. I, I just, you know, travel the world, take all these exotic vacations. You know, there's nothing wrong with those things, but that can't be the vision for your life. But yet, that's what a lot of people make the vision of their life. Even if they never get the $100 million, that's what they're striving towards. The bigger house, the fancier car, the nicer clothes, taking all these exotic trips. They think that that's the end of life. That that's where they want to end up at. Is that really what you want your life to be about? Do you really think that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you could have a nicer vacation? 
Do you think that Jesus suffered and died on the cross and rose again from the dead so that you could live a self-centered, consumeristic lifestyle? Do you think that's what this book is all about? Do you think that's what your life has to be all about? Everybody ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so what I want to do in our time together today is look at how do we get a vision for our life? How, how do we know that we're sort of on the right track? So if you've got a Bible this morning, turn to Acts chapter 20. Again, Acts chapter 20. As you turn there, let me give you a little bit of context of what we're going to look at today. And by the way, if you, you don't have a Bible, uh, pull out your smartphone, download the YouVersion app. You can get all the scriptures on there. Also, the scriptures there in your program. You can follow along there, and they'll be on the screen for you as well. But in whatever way you're getting to Acts chapter 20, again, let me give you a little bit of context. This is uh, the Apostle Paul. He's on his third missionary journey, his final missionary journey. And he wants to really, really, in his heart, he wants to go to the city of Ephesus. Now, the reason that he wants to go there is he had planted a church there. He had lived there for a while. He knew the people. He loved the people. In fact, going to Ephesus for Paul would almost be like going on vacation. This would be a very safe place for him to be. So there's this part of his heart that he really wants to go there, but yet the Spirit of God is compelling him, drawing him to, to go to Jerusalem. Now, he knows that once he gets to Jerusalem, bad things are going to happen that potentially his life will end in Jerusalem. Which one are you going to choose? Vacation in Ephesus or death in Jerusalem? So his heart is, is for Ephesus, but he knows God's saying you need to go to Jerusalem. So he's in the city of Miltus at the time, and he calls some of the, the leaders from Ephesus to, to come and, and meet him there. And he's like, guys, I'd really love to come and, and spend time with you to, to worship with you and, and, and teach and, and preach and just spend time with you guys. But with tears in his eyes, Paul says, that's not God's plan for me. And he says this then in verses 22 to 24. He says, but now I am compelled by the Holy Spirit, so I must obey and go to Jerusalem. I don't know what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. But I don't care what happens to me. As long as I finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. And that work is to tell the good news about God's great kindness. And it's in these couple of verses that we get sort of the four phases of vision for your life. These are the things that you'll know that, okay, yeah, I'm on the right track now. I, I have the, the, the vision that God would have for me. So the first one is this. The Spirit will compel me. The Spirit will compel me. Paul says, I'm feeling compelled by the Spirit to, to go to Jerusalem. It's not necessarily something I, I want to do. It wasn't my idea. The Holy Spirit is leading me to go there. Being compelled by the Spirit means to be moved, to be pulled, to be tugged. It's when it's like, you know what? There's just something that, that needs to be done. There's something that it should be done. And I'm feeling like I'm the one that needs to go there and do it. Sort of like when you're at the mall and you go by Cinnabon, right? It's like something's just drawing you in. It's like, I know I shouldn't do it, but yet I'm going to go do it anyway. And that's 
That's what you need to have for your life is this, this compelling thing that the Spirit is drawing you in and you're like, man, I wish somebody else had a burden for this. I wish somebody else was going to do it, but I just feel that God is calling me to go and do this. That God is calling me to say this. That God is calling me to make a difference in this particular area. Being drawn in. I'm being pulled by the Spirit. I'm being wooed by the Spirit. You know, I, I remember when I first became a pastor, this was big in the, uh, in the year 2000, the only really church experience I had had was the church that I had been born and raised in, which I've told you before, you know, it wasn't great. And then the, the church that I got saved in and then this church that I'm pastoring here, that, that was it. I mean, yeah, I occasionally go to weddings and funerals at other places, but um, I didn't really know. I, I just thought all churches were sort of cookie cutter and sort of looked the same. And yeah, the, the church I was in, they were a little bit, quote unquote, more contemporary than the church I grew up, grown up in. But I didn't, I didn't really know that there was something different until near 2000, myself and six leaders from the church, we went out to Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, Illinois. And it was there in Chicago that I heard Pastor Bill Hybels, this church of 25,000 people. He got up on the stage and he started talking about what a church could be. And he was coming right from the, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And he was just teaching and, and preaching on this particular passage. This is what a church could look like. And I was just so drawn to that. And watching the, the creativity of the church and, and the, the relevance that that church had. I just started weeping and bawling as the, the week continued to go on and we were there at this conference. I mean, I just cried more and more and more. I could feel the Spirit was drawing me that, Lord, you need to do something like that. You, you can't just be a part of a church. You, you have to have a church that reflects me. And it's going to reach the current generation. That, as we sang earlier, that our generation can, can set a nation free. what God was calling me to. Don't just settle for the safe. Don't just settle for the comfortable. Do this. And I felt this, again, a compelling of the Spirit. And so that's what I've strived to do for the past 17 years. Is to reach our generation. Not the previous generation. Not even how I think it's going to be two generations from now. Our generation. You need to have the same thing for your life. What is it that God is compelling you to? That you're like, man, somebody's got to do something about this. And that somebody's going to be me. Not because I want to. Not because it's going to be easy. Not because it's safe but because the Spirit of God is calling me to do it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is that the Spirit is prompting you to do. Even if you think that you're out of your mind. Even if other people tell you that you're out of your mind. You say, no, I'm going to obey it anyway. No matter what it takes. No matter what the cost. Number two then. Once you have this, this compelling vision, this, this I've got to do it, Number two is, I'll have a sense of 
certain uncertainty. Paul says, look, the Holy Spirit is compelling me to go to Jerusalem. I know I've got to do it. I'm just not sure what's going to happen to me once I actually get there. He was certain that he needed to go, but he was uncertain about what was going to happen. You know, this is Lisa and I's experience with starting Exponential. When God called us to to move to Harrisburg six years ago to get this church started, we were 100% certain that God was calling us to move. We knew that we knew that we knew that we knew that the Spirit was compelling us, that you need to pack up, leave everything behind that's safe and comfortable in the big church that you're in, and come and start from scratch. We were certain that God was calling us to do that. But... There was a lot of uncertainty. We don't know anybody. Where will we meet? How will we raise enough money to get a church started? Who's going to lead worship? And there's literally thousands and thousands of questions that we had before we moved. We were certain we should move. But we were very uncertain about what the outcome was going to be. And see, it's going to be the same way in your life. God's going to move you. He's going to woo you. He's going to draw you in like Cinnabon draws you in to something. And your temptation is going to be this. You're going to go, God, that sounds really cool. Now give me all the details. And then I'll do it. You remember the uh, movie A Few Good Men? Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson. And there's that that famous scene where Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. And Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. I think God looks at us sometimes because we're going, God, give me the details. God's like, you can't handle the details. And I'll be 100% honest with you. If Lisa and I knew everything that was going to happen over these past six years, we'd have chickened out. It hasn't been anything like we thought it was going to be. And so we would have said, no, 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 that's too scary. that's, That's not what our mind says should happen. But yet, you know what? We wouldn't trade it for the world. We wouldn't trade for you guys. I mean, just getting to know you and the stories of life change we've been able to experience. Again, I, I'd have chickened out. What I'm saying to you is, don't chicken out. You know, this is one of the reasons we're so big about next steps here at Exponential. In fact, it's part of our mission statement that we're helping people take life-changing next steps in their journey towards God. It's just about a next step. You don't want to know the details six months from now, six years from now. Just take a next step. And one after that, and another one after that. That you can handle. See, this is what faith is all about. Faith is, is trusting God, that God, even though I don't know the details, you do. And in your perfect time and in your perfect way, your perfect will, you're going to get me exactly where it is that you'd have me to go. That's your responsibility, the outcomes. My responsibility is just keeping taking a next step. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. 
And so the Spirit of God is going to compel you. It's going to try to draw you in to be a world changer, to do something to make a difference in your neighborhood, in Harrisburg, in the state of Pennsylvania, maybe even something for the whole world. Whatever it is, I'm pretty certain of this. You're going to have uncertainty. So just take some next steps. Now, not only are you going to have uncertainty, but then number three, I'll face predictable resistance. Paul says, you know what? The the Holy Spirit keeps telling me that nothing but blessings and pleasure and flowers and chocolate and rainbows and unicorns are coming my way. Oh, and puppy dogs. Right? Is that what it said? No, what did he say? The Spirit keeps telling me that prison and hardship await me. Prison and hardship await me. In other words, there is an enemy that's going to try to keep me from doing whatever it is that God has called me to do. And you see this over and over and over again throughout Scripture. God calls Moses to deliver a nation from slavery. What happens? There's an enemy, Pharaoh, that tries to keep him from doing that. Joseph, he's called to be a great leader. There's an enemy, actually 11 of them, his brothers, try to pull him down. There's this guy in the Old Testament, his name's Nehemiah. He is called to, to build a wall to, to, to surround the city of Jerusalem to save the nation of Israel. But there's this man by the name of Sambalet that keeps saying, no, it's not going to happen. You, you can't build the wall. Even though that was God's will, Sambalette didn't want it to happen. See, it's not that you just face resistance. It's predictable resistance. I guarantee you, if God is calling you to do something great for him, you're going to face resistance. So don't be surprised by it. You know, it's sort of like this. You know how, like, if there's something, like, in your marriage, you're like, man, we're going to work on our marriage, and you're, like, determined to do it. It's that very week then that your spouse does something that really ticks you off and, and you get in a big argument. And it's like, man, we were going to work on this. Or, or this, you know, you're like, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to do everything I need to do, to, you know, to be healthy and everything. And then you go to the grocery store and your favorite snack food, it's like buy one, get 500 free. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's just the way it works. Here's one that's happened to you guys. You're like, I'm getting my finances in order. I'm going to stick to a budget. And you get all the numbers worked out. And you're like, oh, man, we're going to be able to do this. This is incredible. And then your car breaks down that week. Or an appliance breaks down. It's the predictable resistance. Don't be surprised by it. Know that it's coming. In fact, now you can laugh about it. Because if you're meeting resistance, you can go, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. I'm getting resistance. Of course Satan isn't happy about this. Of course Satan doesn't want me to do this. And here's how I've always liked to say it. If you're not having a head-on collision every day with the devil, then chances are you're going the same way he is. Every single day we should be meeting resistance. 
And again, Paul would say it this way, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because of the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Predictable resistance. Number four, then. You've been compelled. You got some uncertainty. There's resistance, but then I will live with clarity on what God has for me to do. Paul says, Look, I don't care what happens to me as long as I get to finish the work that Jesus has for me to do. I said to you earlier, Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. That was not the case for the Apostle Paul. He knew exactly what it was that God was calling him to do, and he ended up where he needed to be. That's the power of vision. And see, when you have clarity on what it is that God's calling you to do, it's going to help to determine your schedule. It's going to help to determine how you spend your money. It's going to help you to, to overcome temptation in your life. It's going to help to keep you focused. Because you're like, this one thing that I do. Forgetting what is behind. I'm going to press on towards what's ahead. Paul had clarity. He knew exactly what it was that God was calling him to do and he allowed that to determine the framework, the, 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 the foundation of his whole life. And he lived by that. And again, he said, I don't care what happens to me. Just as long as I get to fulfill the reason that God had me here on this earth. And you need to get that same place in your life. You know, I mentioned Nehemiah to you earlier. Again, he had this, this vision to, to build the walls around Jerusalem. And this, this guy by the name of Sambalet, he, he's, he's the resistance. And, and so even though Nehemiah has this compelling vision, and there's some uncertainty because he wasn't sure how can I afford to build the wall, this kind of stuff. And, and there's this resistance that's coming against him. He lives with clarity. And Sambalet wants to kill him. And so Sambalet, he, he hatches this plan to say, uh, come, let's have a meeting. Let's, let's sort of negotiate this. Talk about it a little bit. But Nehemiah was on to him. And so when the messengers of Sambalet get to Nehemiah, here's what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 2 to 3. He says, I knew that they were scheming to harm me, so I sent a messenger to give them my reply. And I love this. It's one of my favorite verses in the old Bible. He says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Every single day, day after day after day, he was up there laboring on that wall, doing exactly what it was God had called him to do. And even though he had uncertainty, even though he was facing the resistance, he says, I am doing a great work, and I can't come down. And I want that for your life. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, again, Maybe it's something in your neighborhood. Maybe it's something here in Harrisburg. It could be something that's going to change the whole world. Whatever it is, don't get distracted. 
Don't allow the uncertainties. Don't allow the resistance to get you off track. Just keep saying to everybody and anybody to listen, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I can't stop. I can't quit. I'm going to keep going on until I fulfill what God has me on this earth to do. See, I want you to get to the end of your life and people say, you know what? A lot of people, they end up somewhere. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. But not that person. They got to where they needed to be on purpose. They knew who they were. They knew who God had called them to be and what God had called them to do. And they did it. And they made a difference. They changed their community. They changed their nation. They changed the world. Again, there's going to be a lot of distractions. But you've got to get beyond that. You can't say, you know what, I, I can't be bought for any price. Oh, you, you want to offer me more comfort in this world? Guess what, I'm not living for the comforts of the world. You want to try to make my life easier? I'm not living for easy street. Oh, you got something that will make me more popular? I'm not living for popularity of the world. I'm living for an audience of one. And as long as I please him, then my life has made a difference and has counted. Hope in this series you've seen that there is power in one. There's power in one person, you. There's also power in one vision. Everybody ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we've been able to start this new year by going through this Power of One series. And I hope and pray that you've changed hearts, you've changed lives over these past six weeks that we're not just content to just sort of float through life anymore. But we've learned that you've called us to be difference makers. And that, yeah, our enemy Satan is going to either himself or send others to say, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you can't do that. Who in the world do you think you are? But Lord, help us in those moments to say, I'm a child of the King. I am more than a conqueror. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. Father, help us to, to not live for ourselves any longer and our selfish desires. But help us to live fully for You. And so Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to woo us, to compel us, to pull us in to what it is that you'd have each and every one of us individually to do. And that, Lord, then we would just take next steps. Even when there's resistance, even when there's uncertainty, just take next steps. Knowing that you'll get us where you want us to be. Jesus, thank you that I've been able to experience that in my own life. I pray that same thing for others. And that as each and every one of us 
are living out our God-given purpose for being on this earth, that that would then exponentially increase and multiply so that as a church called Exponential Church, we would have an even bigger impact. God, thank you that you do use simple, frail people like us, sinful people that have been forgiven by you and who have your power in us to do amazing things. Continue to do that in us and through us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.